Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. The danger of relying on self. The danger of relying on self. So please tell me your Bibles to Joshua and to chapter 7. I'll read it out to us and then we'll see what the Lord has for us. Amen. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen some of these dedicated things. So the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. Achan was the son of Kami, a descendant of Zimri, son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah. Joshua sent some of his men from Jericho to spy out the town of Ai, east of Bethel, near beth Evan. When they returned, they told Joshua, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more than two or 3,000 men to attack Ai. Since there are so few of them, don't make all our people struggle to go up there. So approximately 3,000 warriors were sent, but they were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries, and they killed about 36 who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites were paralyzed with fear at this turn of events, and their courage melted away. Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay threw dust on their heads and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. Then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you were going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living the land hear about this, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then, what will happen to the honor of your great name? But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. We'll stop here. It's a long chapter, very interesting. But often when we read this chapter, we concentrate on the scene of Achan and how he brought defeat to the people of God. Today, I want to turn our attention to another factor. The book of Joshua is a very interesting book. We've been working through it on Sweeter Than Honey on Clubhouse. So those of you who joined, I'm sure last week you were part of chapter 7 as we discussed it. And um, those who are not able to make it, I want to encourage you, try and join. It's only Mondays and Tuesdays now from 7 to 8.30, one and a half hours. Whilst you're driving, whilst you're in your office, you can be listening and you'll be blessed. So Joshua chapter 7. Joshua generally is a book of entering into our inheritance. You know, God used Moses to bring his people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, 
where they were in bondage. Now they had been set free. We know about their time in the wilderness. Then Moses passes away and Joshua takes over to help them cross the Jordan and then get into the promised land. So from Joshua chapter 1, we see how God prepares them, how he promises them that they will enter the land, he will drive their enemies from before them, and actually gives them strategies of how they can do it. And so we see them get to the Jordan, and we see how miraculously, there was a miraculous possibility, they were able to cross the Jordan. The Jordan opened up for them, became walls of water on each side, and they were able to walk through on, the Bible says, dry ground. It was a miracle. And all the nations heard about it. And they were scared of these people. But that wasn't all. Then they had their first battle they had to fight when they entered the promised land. They had to fight Jericho. And Joshua went before God and prayed and asked God for directions and strategies. God gave them strategies. They were to go around the city seven days. On the seventh day, seven times. We all know that story from Sunday school. And then the miraculous happened again. The walls of Jericho came down. And Jericho was overtaken. Hallelujah. So it was victory, victory, victory for the people of God. Then now the second nation they had to now conquer was I. Second nation was I. But this went terribly wrong. And very quickly as well. Terribly wrong. 36 men were killed. 36 sets of children became orphaned. Well, fatherless. That is six or more women became widows because that is six men were killed. The army of Israel was routed. They ran away from their enemies. And the people of Israel were distraught. So Joshua had to go and ask God what happened. And God told him it was because of sin in the camp. Because when they conquered Jericho, God told them that, look, I'm going to give you this land. All the nations you conquer, everything you get from there, gold, silver, everything, it's yours. Take them. But the first town, Jericho, do not take anything. They belong to me. It was a kind of a tithe. First fruits. Jericho is the first one you conquer. Everything you get from there, it's not for you. It's mine. So don't take anything for yourselves. But Achan, Achan, Achan succumbed to temptation. Last, greed. He stole a few things. They looked nice to him. I didn't read the whole chapter, but if you go read, you see the story, how it was all revealed. He confessed in the end. And because there was sin in the camp, because they disobeyed God, now they were defeated. But like I said, our emphasis today is not on the sin per se, but on other factors which we shall see right now. Because this is really relevant for us as Christians. In our Christian work, we have been rescued from our Egypt from sin. Christ has saved us. He's brought us into the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of light. We've been given spiritual an inheritance in Christ Jesus. We're supposed to enjoy this inheritance. There are possessions that have been given to us as Christians. We're supposed to enjoy them. But we will discover that just like the people of Israel in the promised land, those victories will not come on a silver platter. They won't just happen. There will be battles to be fought and won. And we will all agree that we face battles every day. The temptations that come our way every day, they are battles. Battles in our workplaces, battles in our marriages, battles with our children, battles with the lust of the flesh, battles with greed and lust and everything, sometimes disease and death and bereavement. Look, they are battles every day. We face them day by day. It is part of their life. It's part of it. We are meant to face them, but we are meant to conquer them. We are meant to overcome them. We are meant to enjoy the goodness of God in the land of the living. 
So how do we win these battles? How do we overcome them? First of all, I think this story we have read today gives us an idea. Something went wrong, so they didn't win this battle. What went wrong? I think before I even go to what went wrong, I have in my notes, which I wasn't looking at, some of the things that surround us, the enemies in the land for us today. And I mentioned sin, of course. Sin is one of them. Then there is the world and its systems, the philosophies, the strategies, and the culture all around us. They come at us every day, pressing in on us and giving us opportunities every day for like temptations to succumb to them. Then there is the flesh and all its weaknesses, which I think I, I, think I mentioned. And then there is the devil with all his demons coming at us as well, bringing fear into our hearts. So in short, we live in a broken world with broken people, and we ourselves truly are broken. We are, we are vulnerable, and we can, we can fall for some of these challenges that we face every day. But it's possible to walk in victory, hallelujah. And so we want to analyze this story today and see what went wrong, and hopefully we can learn from it and see how we can avoid some of these defeats in life. Amen. So what went wrong? Number one, they forgot their source of strength and victory. You know, in chapter 6, they went to God in prayer. God gave them strategy. They deployed the strategy, and Jericho came down. Jericho came down, and Joshua became like, you know, a big man, well-renowned in the whole of the land. Their enemies were scared of them. That's how chapter 6 ended, that the nations were scared of Israel because of what God had done. But now the next chapter, the very next one, the next battle, and they do not remember God. They didn't cry out to God for strategy. They didn't ask him, how should we approach I? Rather, he sent people out there. And they went and spied, and they came back and said, oh, it's small, small, small. The guys, there's nothing there. We, we will destroy them like this. So don't let even the whole army go. Send just a couple of thousand men. Because it's going to be very, very easy. And Joshua heard them and took their advice. He did not go to God. So that, I think, is the first mistake. Because had he prayed to God, God would have revealed even the sin in the camp. God would have said, don't go to that fight. Don't go into that battle. Because all is not well at home. But they didn't pray. They thought, oh, we, we destroyed Jericho. Past victory. You know, even Jericho, big, big Jericho, we brought it down. So this one, we can handle it. Let's do it in our own strength. We must never, ever forget that God is our source of strength. No matter what victories we have won, no matter how many successes we have chalked in our lives, please never forget that God is the source of our strength. Remember Samson. Remember Samson. He forgot. That the strength was not in his muscles. It wasn't in him. Once the hair was gone, the Bible says he got up as if he would do it as usual. That he realized that the strength was gone. Brothers and sisters, our sufficiency is not of ourselves. Our strength is from God. And we must never forget that. And it's very easy to forget that, especially when you are talking the successes. 
When you are struggling, you remember God. When you are struggling, you remember to pray. But when you are on a roll, one victory after the other, you know, you are doing well, you begin to feel like, yeah, I'm the man. You know, yeah, I'm the woman. Yeah, I've got this under control. Yeah, I've done it three times before. I'm going to do this one as well. It's a real danger we have to watch. Never forget your source of strength and victory. Remember always that the battle belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. Number two, they look to themselves for success. And that's a big problem we have today. You know, there's, there's a growing interest in the olden philosophies of the Greeks. It's growing. The stoics are coming back. Just go on Twitter. Just go on. I've been saying this all the time. Go on LinkedIn. You see so many. I, I love to read them because they're encouraging, they're motivating and all that. But there's a danger there. If you go on Clubhouse and even see my profile picture, it is an image of um, a very obese man who is holding a chisel and hammer and working on himself. So from here down, you see the obesity. But from the head down, you see the muzzle six-pack because he's chiseling away. He's chiseling away. It's a powerful image. It tells us that our destiny is in our hands. It tells us that you can change your life. You can make choices. You can take actions today that will give you the future you want. And it's true. There's no lie about that. But with what mindset are you doing it? Is it in your own strength? According to whose blueprint? Very important. But today, everybody is just doing, yeah, we are gods unto ourselves. Even in the church, we are gods. We are gods, you know. We are children of God. We have been made partakers of a divine nature. So there's divinity in us. But it doesn't make us God. We are not God. God is God alone, and we are men. So in his strength, we are able to do things. By his power, we achieve victories. It's very important we understand that. That place of humility, we must maintain it. That he is God alone. And because we are his children, we are privileged to walk in his power and to achieve big things. Very important. That distinction must be there. Because the danger with that kind of mindset where we think that we are, we are our own gods, we are all powerful, is that it leads to, to you know, a sense of uh, self-sufficiency, a sense of self-reliance. You think that, yeah, it's me. I can do it. I did it in the past. I can do it tomorrow. So there's, there's a, a strong sense of self-confidence. Confidence is good, but you are confident because you are a child of God. You are not confident because you have the power in yourself to do anything. There's a difference, a subtle difference, but we must be cognizant of that fact. Hallelujah. So beware of self-sufficiency and self-importance and self-reliance and self-confidence because they lead to pride and arrogance. People of Israel became proud. They became arrogant. They said, oh, I, too small. It's little. We can handle it. So they didn't go to God in prayer. Number three, they underestimated the strength of the enemy. And that's a common mistake we make especially in the area of sin. The things, the little ones. You know, there are some people that you meet and then you yourself, you know that, oh, this one, there's danger. And so you want to run away. At least with me, that's how it is. I can sense. When I know that, oh, this person can pose trouble for me, I know how to, to back off. But there are ones that I also say, I'm like, oh, this one, there's nothing. This was one of those where I thought there was nothing. So the point I'm making is that there are ones that the eyes, that we think this one is nothing. We can handle it. Let's beware of them. If we don't go with the Lord's covering, we will run back. We'll be defeated. 36 will die. And the sad thing is, it doesn't affect us only. 
it affects people. There'll be a single woman somewhere. There'll be children without a father somewhere because you made one small mistake. You know? It's serious. When we make those mistakes, the repercussions, they go, they go far. They go very, very far. So let's be very, very careful of the ones that we think this is I. This one, we can handle it. No problem. Be very careful. Number four. So that was number three. They understand the strength of the enemy. And I'm trying to say it's a common mistake we make. We think we can handle it, so we go without the Lord, and that's where we get defeated. Number four, they took the Lord for granted. They failed to pray first. Because I believe that in prayer, God would have told them about their weaknesses. He would mention that there's a problem in the camp. There's unrighteousness in the camp. Achan has done something wrong. Then they would have corrected that. Achan would have confessed first. That would have been sorted out. Then God would have given them strategy. And then they would have gone ahead to win. And when you read chapter 8, that's exactly what happened. So the end of chapter 7, there was final confession because the Lord exposed it. Achan had to confess. And in chapter 8, God then gave them the strategy, which included all of the fighting men. Remember, the spy said only two or 3,000 can handle it. But God said no. All of the fighting men. There's something about how God does his things. It's not about the size of the enemy. It's, it's, it's what he has in mind. And he always actually told them from chapter 1, there were some two and a half tribes who had already gotten into their promised land before they crossed the Jordan. But even them, God said, the fighting men must go with you to go and fight with you. With Jericho, he said all of them had to go. Then now suddenly on their own, they said only two to 3,000 men. So in chapter 8, God corrected that. He said, all of you must go. We must listen to God. We must listen to him. It may not make sense to us, but lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. How do we avoid this? We must put God first. The devoted things are for him. Our time, our money, our resources, in every way, what is God's gift to God? He asked for Jericho. Achan took Jericho. Took some of the goodies from there. That's what led to all of this. Give to God what is God's in your life. Put him in first place. If it's his, give it to him. Number two, let's learn to always pray. Prayer first. The Lord taught us to pray. And he, one of the things he said we should pray is forgive us our trespasses. If they had done that, it can seem may have been revealed and forgiven. Then they could have gone ahead. Sin is an obstacle to victory. So let's learn to pray. Let's keep sure. In fact, it says forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So we are keeping short accounts with God and with our fellow men. There should be no bitterness, no anger, no hatred in us. Battles are to be fought. Those things pull you back. So keep short accounts. Make sure between you and God, everything is sorted on a daily basis. Between you and your husband or wife, everything is sorted. Between you and your friends, colleagues at work, your family, keep short accounts. Sort it out. Don't let those things hold you back. Number three, commit your ways into God's hands in prayer. And I put several scriptures here that we cannot read. One of them is Proverbs 3, 4 to 6 that we've been mentioned already and came mentioned last week as well. The other one is Zechariah 10, verse 1. In the CEV, Contemporary English Version, it states it beautifully. It assures us that it says, I am the Lord who gives you this rain, harvest, gives you rain during springtime and all that, but ends by saying, so pray to me. So the fact that God gave you the promise and the prophecy and said you will enter the land, doesn't mean that when the time comes, you don't pray about it. He said, I have promised you this and that, and so pray to me. 
God wants us to look up to him. He wants us to depend on him. So the fact that he has promised and the prophecy has come and the direction has come, this is what we will do this year, does not mean it will happen automatically. God invites us to pray to him. Zechariah 10 verse 1. He says, therefore, pray to me. And then the 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that says we walk by faith and not by sight. It's not by sight, though. The world is realizing that now. The business people will tell us. The world is realizing that. They have what they call bunny and, and volley and those things. The world has become volatile and stable. The world has become, they, they, they have ways they, they mention those things. Or all the experts are confused now. All their models don't work anymore. That's what's happening in the world. It's not by sight. It's not by sight. It is by faith. We have to see God's face. We have to see what God is saying. And we have to walk according to the will of God. Then there's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Remember that. That is the difference between that self-confidence thing and the reliance on God. Yes, I can do all things, but not in my own strength. Through Christ who strengthens me. We must be conscious of our own limitations. And so lean on God all the time. People, people often tell me that, hey, when you preach, Charlie, you are a good preacher. But you ask my wife, she'll tell you. Every time I have to preach, I get diarrhea. I'm not joking. Either the night before or the morning before I come to church, I get cramps and everything. I'm scared. I'm worried. Because I know that, Charlie, I don't have the capacity to do it. If God doesn't come, there's trouble. So there's always a reliance on him. I have to pray. I say, God, please help me with this one. This is your church. These are your people. I can't just come here and say anything at all. So that puts some fear and anxiety in me, some shaking in me. And, and I have to rely on him all the time, I'm telling you. And that's how it should be, not only with preaching, but with everything. Understand that you can do it, but not in your own strength. Dependence on God, hallelujah. John 15, verse 5, Jesus himself tells us, apart from me, you can't do anything. I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me. My word will remain in you. Then you can do great things. Then there's Psalm 16, verse 2. It says that, apart from you, I have no good thing. What a beautiful attitude to have. Apart from God, I have no good thing. Nothing good in us. And then finally, the strong one that I think captures it all will be Ephesians chapter 6. I want us to read it. Ephesians chapter 6. A final word. Be strong in the Lord, from verse 10, and his mighty power. See where our strength comes from. It's not of ourselves. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Friday night, Rasenio led us in prayer. It is one of the scriptures he used to lead us beautifully. The whole armor of God. You'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. He says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. They had lost that one. 
There was no truth and there was no righteousness because Achan had lied and Achan had disobeyed God, had sinned. So there was no truth there. There was no righteousness there. Their armor was off. They were exposed. But that's not all. He says that for shoes put on the peace that comes with the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. We walk by faith and not by sight. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. They failed on that ground as well. They didn't go for the word of God. But 18 says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Prayer first. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Brothers and sisters, if we are going to see miraculous possibilities, there's no escaping prayer. It has to start with prayer. Because the victories for the battles ahead, the victory is the Lord's. It's not ours. We will enjoy it, but it won't be wrought by our own strength or might. It will take the strength of God. So let us not be arrogant. Let us not become proud and think that we can do it on our own. Let us draw away with the spirit of presumption. Oh, cool one, easy meat. This one we can overcome it. When it comes to sin, when it comes to anything. But the opposite is also true. Let us not also give in to fear. Let us look to God. For example, we are looking for a new meeting place. Some wonderful thing may come your way. You will see the idea will come. But fear will make you think, no, there's no way we can afford that. That is also a danger. It's self-reliance. It's self-dependence. It's not about us and what we can do. It's about what God can do. So if God breaks into your heart, draw the attention of the leaders. Talk to us about it. We'll pray about it. God may all make a way. We may just have to go and sing around it for seven days and Charlie to be given to us. You never know. You never know. But in the same vein, don't go for something small because you think this one we can afford it. So it, it goes two ways. When you depend on God, you don't walk by sight. You pray, you trust God, you see it, you pray, and then before we realize, miraculous possibilities. I believe that God can give us a big place. I believe that your marriage can work out right. I believe it. Pray to God about it. Commit your husband to him. Commit your wife to him. I believe it. Pray first. Don't use human strategies. Don't use human philosophies. I believe that business can turn around. It won't be by what the experts say. No, 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 no. It will not be by that. It will be by wisdom from God. One word from God in prayer. And you just implement that in your business. And it can turn around. Prayer first. We will win our battles as we depend on him. Amen. Shall we pray? Oh, Father, we thank you so much for... ACC, thank you for the amazing promises that you have given us as a church. We thank you for our lives. Thank you for the amazing promises you've given us as Christians, we who are in Christ. The song said, I, I am in him or I live in him, and also says he lives in me. I loved that very much. It's a, it's a two-way thing. We belong to him, and all his promises are ours. But Father, we pray that you deliver us from the sin of presumption. Deliver us from self-reliance and and self-importance and, and self-sufficiency, oh God. Help us remember always that our strength is in you. That we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Teach us, oh Lord, 
that our sufficiency is not of ourselves. Teach us to rely on you completely and totally. And teach us, O oh Lord, to obey you that we might see the victories. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.